welcome to the New Life Fellowship podcast. New Life Fellowship is a community of grace in Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. Our goal is to teach and share and experience the life of Jesus Christ together. You're about to listen to a message from one of our meetings. Please make sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca. Without further ado, let's listen in. Hello, hello, everybody, how we doing? We're doing good, you survived the snow? Uh, today is brought to you by the letter S, the snow. And, um, and for other reasons as well. I need a good charting path to like go back and forth, you know what I'm saying? Let me get this guy out of the way before I get into some trouble here. Okay. Well, I want to say a great thank you just to um, everybody that's making this happen this morning. You know, our, our announcements, people are doing the announcements, our worship team just did a fantastic job, also our AV team. And there's a lot of things that go behind the scenes into making Sunday mornings happen here uh, with New Life. And so I just want to thank, give a big thank you to everyone who's a part of that, just making that happen. Uh, it, it is not easy, but what we've seen today, and what um, I am convinced of, is that uh, new life is an our idea. New life fellowship is an our idea. Jesus will build his church. And he has a plan for us. And he has a purpose for us that goes beyond our plans and our purposes. And he's going to do a good work. And he's proving that today in so many ways. And so I'm so thankful to see everyone who's been part of making this Sunday morning happen. But so much happens Monday to Friday to make us the community that we are. So, so thankful for all those as well as in our events teams are doing those kind of things to bring us together. So no matter what comes, no matter what comes in your life, if it's slander, people are talking poorly about you, attacking your reputation, whether it's health concerns, so you have health concern in your own body, it's health concern in your family member's body, it's health concern, um, uh, in general, just because we live in, in this time of this pandemic. Uh, no matter what comes, even if it's demonic oppression, feels like the enemy's got an agenda against you. Things, you're, you're not comfortable, you don't sleep at night. Anxious, lots on your mind. Even if it's just difficult emotions. You have difficult emotions that you can't run from, you can't hide from them. If you try to put them under the the rug, they come back up, and they resurface. They want to take you out of the game, take you out of what God's promised for you and what he set aside for you to do. No matter what comes, God is our shield. God is our support. God is our salvation. God is our shield. God is our support. God is our salvation. I told you, I told you, this sermon is brought to you by the letter S. God is our shield, our support, and our salvation. Good morning to everybody who's joining us online. My name is Pastor Robin, uh, and uh, I, I, I say these things because they're good Christian words, right? They're good Christian words, and you nodded, and you agreed with me in your mind, right? Because that's what you're supposed to do. Because you've probably heard someone say it before, and you probably trusted them, and those words were proven to you to be correct in some way, shape, or form. Or someone just told you, whatever's in the Bible is right. So you made the responsible choice to trust it. But when we're in a situation where we have to apply what I've just said, 
That God is your shield, God is your support, God is your salvation. Sometimes we don't remember that those things are true. Sometimes we want to wear the hat and we say, no, no, I am my own shield. When someone attacks me, I attack them back. Someone slanders me, I'll find a way to get back, and then I'll slander them back. Sometimes I'm my my own support. You know, things aren't going well, I'm going to find another way, rather than trusting God, to provide for myself, to get life. You know, maybe you're escaping from something that you're dealing with, and you're escaping to things that are unhealthy to strengthen and support your life. Maybe you're taking it on yourself to save yourself, so you're scheming behind the scenes to make things happen the way you want it to happen. You're trying to take control of the situation, trying to control other people, and trying to, to make things work in your way. And all these things could work, but there's a cost. Can I get an amen to that? All things can work, but there's often a cost. And what's the cost? It costs you and it hurts other people. And there's a loss there sometimes. Good Christian words, we all agree with them, right? You know, it's like someone says, look at these safety features in this car. Right? Look at the safety features. This is a really great seat belt and this, you know, the chassis is really good. And, you know, I don't know. I can't talk cars. (laughs) And the outer layer is like, it's, it's really strong. and It's got these like support beams on the side and, you know. It's, it's all great and good, and, and I'm like, well, no. I mean, if, if, I, if I have a craving for McDonald's late at night, if I get in the car and turn it on, can I go to McDonald's and come back? You know, that's what I want to know. Does that have wheels? Does it work? Does it take gas? Right? That's what you want to know. You don't really care about the safety features. But when do you care about the safety features? When we're in an accident. I want to tell you about a car accident. I was driving with, um, I was driving with my, my youth pastor at the time, and we were traveling up to Muskoka, so he was invited to, to speak at his brother's youth group. He had, his brother had a fairly large youth group, and their youth group was meeting at Muskoka Woods Bible Center, or camp, or whatever it's called. But anyway, it was in the Muskokas. So we're driving up there together, and then we had a really great retreat weekend. It was awesome. Uh, some children came, some students, some youth came to faith. It was amazing. We were driving back, and it was a little bit like today outside here in southern Ontario, a little bit like today, but much bigger flakes. And it was coming down pretty heavy, and we had to get home for a certain time. We thought, you know what, we're just going to do it. We're just going to drive safely. We, we rented a fairly large vehicle, a fairly large um, SUV to drive in, and so we were driving back. And I remember very simply that we were driving down sort of a corner kind of area, and you can kind of look down a precipice to see that there was like trees and you know, like kind of gravel slide down to you know, a lower area. And so we're driving, and what happens is... Back, uh, back tires just kind of lose their grip. We just kind of start swaying, and you know that feeling. You're just swaying, you know, you realize we're no longer in control of what's gonna happen next. So we just started swaying, 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 and then we slammed into the guardrails. Now the swaying, swaying, swaying kind of spun us around for a little bit until we hit the guardrails, and then we were hitting them, and then I can't remember everything in per, uh, per se, but what I remember precisely was the sound of the posts of the guardrails coming up. So it was like a thud, 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 thud. And they were slapping against the, the, outer of the, the outside of the car, and we were just kind of spinning like this. And then we stopped, and we stopped, but we stopped like this. Because what had happened is that the guardrails had wrapped us very well, because the guardrails did what they were designed to do. They were meant to catch the vehicle, right? And stop you from going over. So they actually had kind of caught, got us caught in it. And we were kind of laying like this, um, going on the slope that was going down. And it was, the car was making sort of this, we 
we're just kind of swinging like this, like, oh, this is cool. And then we just kind of stopped slowly because there was enough snow. And so we were just kind of sitting there, and you know that, I'm talking like you know, hopefully you don't know. But I looked over, I looked over my youth master, and he looked over at me, and we always say this afterwards, we always say like, we really didn't want to look at each other, but you had to. Because you know like what happened, something happened to you know, him, or something happened to me, and we looked at each other like, are you okay? He's like, yeah, I'm okay. Like, okay, let's get out. So we open the doors, and we just kind of slide down, and we get as far away from the vehicle as we can. So we kind of slid down, maybe just about, you know, at this point, about 10 feet or so, it wasn't that far. So we came down, and the uh, rest of the story is there were some people who saw what happened. They came out. They took us, took us in for the night. It's a really great story. I could tell you the rest of it later. I'm just trying to explain this crash to you, right? Because there's several things that are going on here. The outer shell of this vehicle is supposed to be the shield, right? You have your seatbelt. It's supposed to be a support, keep you in the vehicle. And the guardrails did what they were designed to do. They were supposed to save you from going over the cliff. All of those things did what they were meant to do. But these are inanimate objects. They were designed to protect us, and they are inanimate objects. Instead, what do we have? I want you to get a picture here, right? When we say God is our shield, God is our support, God is our salvation, we're not talking about an inanimate object that doesn't know you personally and doesn't know what your needs are. He doesn't know what tomorrow will bring. He knows what tomorrow will bring. But he's going to meet you right there. He's going to meet you there. We're talking about the master of the cosmos. Creator of time and space. And you were born of him. 1 John chapter 5, verse 1 says this. It says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. He has an invested interest in you. He has an invested interest in you, not an inanimate object. He wants to be there to be your shield, to be your support, and be your salvation. Today we're going to look at Psalm chapter 3. Psalm chapter 3 only has eight verses. Everyone said, great! Only has eight verses. It's a Psalm of David, and David in his latter years of his life was under immense pressure, ridicule, and harm. But what we're going to see from him is that even though he had a lot of failures, and if you know David's story, he had a lot of failures. One thing you know about David is that he has a relentless habit of trusting God when things go south. And God shows up. And we're going to see a little bit about that from his story today. And what I'm hoping to hear, or hopefully that we hear from Abba Father today in Psalm chapter, uh, chapter 3 is this, that when we... When we are surrounded, when we are enclosed and encircled by hardships, it's hard on every end, right? It's family, it's work, it's, it's, it's school. It's even how you think about yourself. Everything is all right on the outside, but inside, the way that you feel about yourself and the messages you get about who you are, they just they drive me nuts, keep you up at night. Sometimes we are surrounded and enclosed and encircled by so many hardships that it feels like there's no way out and there's no escape from harm. So how do we endure this? Well, we can endure hardships by trusting that no matter what comes, God is our shield. Like I said, God is our support. He is our salvation. And when we trust him to be those things for us, what do we experience? Here's, this, here's the other side of it. When we trust him to do those things, what do we experience? We experience his honor. So he'll lift us up at the right time. We experience his strength. So he'll empower us and give us rest, even in the midst of being encircled by hardship. 
And the last thing is that we'll experience his justice. Let's pray before we jump into this. God, Abba Father, Holy Spirit, Jesus, Elohim, Yahweh, we just, uh, we just give you this morning and we present to you our hearts that you would speak to us. It's not enough, again, that I would have cool Christian words appeal to our hearts today. Invite us into trusting you in a new way this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I'm gonna read it to you, okay? So Psalm, I'm going to read chapters, uh, Psalm chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. So unfortunately, uh, no, we don't have it up on the screen. If you do have your Bible with you or you have it on your phone, you can read along with me. So we're just reading Psalm chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. This is David writing this. He says, Oh Lord, how many are my foes? How many people are against me? I have so many. He says, many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul, my personality, the depth of who I am, who I am. Many people are saying this against me. There is no salvation for him in God. Not even God will save him. But David says, but you, O Lord, are a shield about me. My glory and the lifter of my head. Oh, I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me from his holy hill. So what David says. David's talking to us right now about a moment in his life. It's probably the deepest, darkest point of his life, and it's towards the end of his life. You know, sometimes we like to say, like, you know, that's that was in the past. You know, high school was hard, college was hard. You know, having young kids is hard. Some of us are a little more mature in age. You're like, no, life is hard in general, right? But David learned this. He learned that, that he can endure hardships by trusting that no matter what comes, that God is always going to be his shield. This is what we want to get from, this, from these first four verses, that, that when, when David trusted God to be that for him, God gave him honor in due time. And we learn that primarily from, from uh, 2 Samuel uh, chapter 15, and what we're learning from that part, and this is what this psalm is primarily about. It's about this dark time in David's life where his own son came against him. His own son was slandering him, and was causing other people to come against him. So it even says that the hearts of the men turned against David and went towards David's son named Absalom. Now David is king, so his son wants to usurp him and get rid of him so that the son could be king. It's a terrible story because he ends up kicking his dad out of office, kicking his dad out of the whole city. His dad has to leave. He has to run away. And he's trying to get as far away from his son as he can. He has to go and cross the Jordan. So Maybe over here is where Jerusalem is, where David's supposed to be. He needs to cross a river to get away from his son. His son wants to kill him. Now Absalom has his reasons for why he's doing this. If you know much of the story, David's own sin is what caused this in a lot of ways. But Absalom's pursuing him. He has to leave. Even on the way, even on the journey, here's, here's, here's an idea of slander that we don't like. You know, it's hard to even comprehend. David's running away from his own son. And on the journey, there are people who are supporters of King Saul from the past, from David's past, who hate David, and they're stoning him while he's, while he's walking away. He's walking away, people are throwing stones at him and cursing him. David says, you know what, let him curse, because maybe God will reward us for this bad treatment. Can you imagine the faith to say that? He's walking away with people treating him poorly, saying, no, 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 I'm pretty sure from what I've experienced in my life that God has a 
a habit of redeeming me, has a habit of avenging harm and things done against me. You see, this happens to him, he runs away, and he finds a way to come back, actually, toward, towards the end. He finds a way to, to come back and take back Jerusalem from his son. Uh, but even in the process of that, a whole lot of terrible things happen. If you guys even want to know about it, you can look for yourself at 2 Samuel chapter 15 through to 17. It's terrible. But here's something that's important for us to understand. That David has the boldness to say this, even in this scenario, that God is my shield, a shield about me, my glory, and a lifter of my head. I mean, even 2 Samuel verse, uh, uh, chapter 50, verse 30 says this. He's, he's, he's actually walking up the Mount of Olives, and he's got his head covered. And, um, and he's walking barefoot, which is just basically a way of the, of the, narrow, the, the people saying, like, he's in an absolutely a shameful position. And he has a boldness to write the psalm, that even in this most degraded position that I'm in, that God will shield me. He will protect me, and he will lift my head. And that's a very important poetic term that's being used there. It's a way of saying, listen, I've been brought to so much dishonor, it doesn't matter. I don't even have to go back and take that honor back. God will lift my head. God will be the one who will honor me. And where is he getting this from? Well, you see it from his story, the things that he had had to endure up until this point. He had seen multiple times over and over again, every time he trusted God, that God revealed himself to be the one to restore. You know, that word shield is a very important shield. Even in the Hebrew, it's a very important word. Even in the Hebrew, it's the word magen. And it literally, it says, God is a shield around me. You might feel like you have things coming from every end coming at you. And he's saying, no, 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 no. God is a shield all the way around me. Even if people are coming at me from every end, that is the case. I'm completely, completely covered by God. And he is my glory. He will honor me. He will be the lifter again of my head. Now, David has a lot of insight to say this. He even goes to the point of saying this. He even says that even if they're saying there's no salvation for him in God, he doesn't even focus on that. He just focuses on the fact that he has a covenant relationship with God. That's the number one thing. We know this because the word Lord is being used. And every time you see the word Lord used in the Psalms, it's that term Yahweh, which is, means a covenant relationship. So people might be saying God, Elohim, you know, whatever. You put your faith in some, some fantastical creature, some Santa Claus individual who you think is going to save you. But David says, like, no, no, they're talking about him in a fantastical way. No, but I have a covenant relationship. Yahweh was a covenant term given to the people of Israel to know that God was going to save them in all situations. And so he says, they, they might be slandering me, coming after me, but really what's happening? They're coming after the character of God. I mean, how many of us could say that in those dire situations, that even if someone's coming after me, listen, who are they really coming after? They're coming after God. How much, can we have that much faith to say that? Now, you can say that because of what he's endured and what he's seen of God. But here in this picture, we get this idea of people coming at him, and he's turning his focus to God. He's not saying, I'm strong enough. I'm the one who's going to save myself. This is all about me. He's turning and putting his focus on his father. It reminds me of my daughter, Naomi. She, um, we, we went tobogganing. We love, to, I like to get out in the snow. I like to toboggan. Uh, Mahalia does. Naomi was a little new at it at the time. 
And we had like some, like some small toboggans. There was all these kids here at like a big hill down by his elementary school. These kids are trying to get in there and go down. And, and I'm trying to get Naomi in there. And other kids are like, oh, come down with us. Like, come down with us. And Mahalia's like, no, come down with us. Go in the toboggan. And so I'm like, okay, Naomi, just go. Just go in there and, and go down. It'll be fun. Like, just do it, right? It's not that big of a slope. Come on, she's three. She can do it. So I'm like, no, just do it. And she just turns to me and she's just like, hands up, like, nope, I'm not doing it. (laughs) I don't care what anybody says. Pick me up right now. I am not doing this. And I'm like, okay, honestly, I'm a loving father. (laughs) But I have this moment, I'm just like, I'm just like, get in there. I'm just like, just get in there. But you know what Naomi knows from experience? Is that her dad's a big suck? <laughs> and you know they have a problem with this. Like, Naomi's a little bit tall, too. Even the other day, I even picked her up and carried her from, like, dropping Mihaly off at school. She's not light anymore. Like, it's actually generally heavy. You know? And it's like, it, it's like I'm just such a big suck when I see this. You know what Naomi knows in the moment is that she knows that if she turns to her dad and she puts her hands up, she knows that I'm going to pick her up. She knows that I'm going to do whatever it takes to make her feel safe. You know, I can say that confidently now. I hope that's always the case as a father. But I'm me. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a frail human being. But our most heavenly Father, if we turn to him and say, everyone's saying this against me. They're saying this against me. They're coming against me. They're chasing me halfway across the desert to go across the river. They're chasing me out of my home. And people are slandering me and throwing rocks at me while I'm walking away. What am I going to do? Well, I remember his faithfulness to me. I remember that I was a little boy with a rock and a sling. And yeah, of course, I killed a bear and a lion. But what, did I, what really gave me the victory that day? It was God who gave me the victory. I slayed the giant because God gave me the victory. Right? So you can look back and say, hold on a second. I go back, I put my confidence in what I remember about who God is. And he did that. And that same confidence he could turn, he says, but you, you, O God, are my shield. You are my glory. You are going to be the lifter of my head. You read the rest of that narrative in Samuel, that's exactly what happens. He put his trust in God and turned to him. You see, that's childlike faith, like Naomi there. Reminds me of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. You know, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that in a proper time he may exalt you. You might feel under pressure from other people to perform in a look like a certain way. It might be keeping you up at night. You feel like you have to do something to preserve your reputation. First Peter says, no, 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 no. Humble yourself like a little child. Turn to me. Put your hands up. Humble yourself. The world says, I'm a brazen adult. If someone offends me, I offend them back. And we give off this demonstration of strength rather than letting pure and honest, immense, eternal strength of our protective, most heavenly Father be presented and show itself at work. We can just turn to him and say, you are my shield. Lift me up, because I can't do this right now. You know, you're saying, Robin, that's great if God's my shield. I would rather give up on the, the, you know, 
my life or my dreams or the goals that God has given me rather than push through this negative experience that I'm in. Right? You might be there, but I want to respond with this. You know, so we're going to look at now in chapters, um, uh, verses 5 and 6. It says this, that um, we're going to look at this. We're going to look at how that we can endure hardships because God is our shield, but he is also our support. He can also be the one to give us life to endure those things. And when we trust him to be those things for us, we experience his honor, but then we also experience his strength at work. So let's look at verses 5 and 6 together. So Psalm chapter 3, verses 5 to 6. And David says this, I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. And I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Now David is describing, he is describing right now just basically the fact that he's run away from his son and he's gone to rest and he was able to rest, actually sleep, even though he had all this clamor around him. Could go to bed at night, didn't have insomnia that night. He was able to rest because he could trust and know that God was going to support him through this. He could think back to God's faithfulness and know that he could do this for him. Listen, we're talking about David. David's not even born of God. You know, we, sometimes we raise up these individuals. He's not even born of God. You were born of God. You were born of God in the sense of this. When Jesus was resurrected from the dead, you received his spirit inside of you when you chose to believe. And you were also resurrected with a new spirit as well. So in that sense, you are born of God. You have a new created essence of your being that wants to honor God, that desires to honor God, that is also joined with God to the point that there is no beginning and no end to that union. David is saying these things confidently, and he's not even born of God. Here we are right now, we are in complete union with Jesus. We are in him and he is in us, and our lives are hidden in him. Our lives are hidden in him. In other words, we are safely placed in him. And he says, I lay down, I slept, and I woke again for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of thousands of people. I mean, it's important for us to even understand this. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 says this. It says, he is the radiance. It's talking about Jesus. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So this is Jesus. He, he upholds the universe, all things, by the, in that Greek word, the rhema word of his power. This, this word of power. He's sustaining all life with his own strength, with his own word. Some translations say even by his own breath, he is sustaining all things. That means that no matter what situation you are put in, if you are like David and you are in a situation where you're surrounded, you're encircled, you are, um, you are in every way there's no escape for you, you're in the middle and everyone and, your situa- and the situation around you is giving you no opportunity for escape and you will feel so vulnerable and you feel so afraid. Even in this moment, anything that the enemy or the world or other people or whatever things they have set against you, it has nothing against God's assignment, God's appointment for your life. He sustains all things. He is the one who's in control. They might say they have an assignment to which you will now be separated from God or rejected from God. It's not true. He will have the final word in whatever you experience. 
This is something that Deanne and I talk about often. Uh, my wife Deanne uh, uh, has type 1 diabetes. Type 1 diabetes is a little bit scary in this sense. That um, it's something, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a disease by which you can sustain your life with you know, certain medication and certain technology. It's fantastic, actually. And the way things have changed so much, it's like, it, it's incredible how the technology has moved forward maybe over the, even the last 10 years. It's incredible. The challenge is, is that you still are very much responsible for caring for your body. And type 1 diabetes has a few complications that are very scary. Um, one of them, among some others, uh, could possibly be blindness. Right? Something could happen in that sense to your body over time. And so with all the care that we have, you know, Deanne has this awesome opportunity to have a sustained life. And, and those who have type 1 diabetes have very, very long lives, very, very healthy lives. But it is scary to go to a doctor's appointment. Scary to go to the eye doctor and have the eye doctor tell you, well, we found this in your eye. It's terrifying. Now, doctors are doing their job because they're supposed to report what they find. But those words, those diagnoses, and if you've been in that situation, if you've been diagnosed with anything, it feels like a life sentence, even if it's not directly a diagnosis. Scary. You can feel like, I am, I am encircled on every side. I'm surrounded. Even the words of the doctors, the most trained individuals in this scenario, are saying, this will happen to you. It could be scary. Saying, if you don't do this and you don't protect that, then this will happen to you. And their word could feel like the final word, but it's not the final word. There's so one conversation we have often is that no matter what a doctor says, Deanne, they do not have the final word. God has the final word. God is our shield, he is our support, and he is our salvation. And no matter what the world says around you, he will sustain you. And he will have the final word. Even if the world around you says, this will happen to you, you will be rejected by God, you will be rejected by people, even your own body will reject you. No, God has the final word. That word sustains, there could also be translated support. The Lord supported me, gave me life, strengthened me. You see the picture of life support. You see the picture of dependence, complete dependence on God. We don't like to think about it that way because the world says everything that I own and I create with my own hands and I have in my, everything I have in my bank account is the life that I have. It's the vehicles that I have. It's the house that I have. It's the clothes that I wear. It's the friends that I have. This is what supports me. And we're in this terrible journey sometimes as believers of discovering how frail those things are and understanding our complete and utter dependence on God to spare us and to save us. But he is worthy of our faith. He is worthy of our trust in this scenario. We're going to find out a little bit more about that now looking at the last two verses. So we're looking at um, verses 7 and 8. Because you can be asking the question, isn't it right for me to expect God to save me if I'm in a dark situation? If I'm surrounded by hardships, isn't it right for me to expect God to save me? Right? If he's so strong, why doesn't he just rescue me from this problem? Why doesn't he just rescue me from this problem with my kids? Why doesn't he just rescue me from this disease? Why doesn't he just rescue me from this, from this workplace that is terrorizing me? I can't even sleep at night. This workplace is terrible. 
Why didn't you rescue me? Why didn't you provide me something better? Why didn't you provide me a better spouse? Poor Deanne. <laughs> Why didn't you just rescue me? Well, we're going to find out here that we can endure these hardships by trusting that no matter what comes, God is our shield, he is our support, but he is also our salvation. And when we trust him to be those things for us, we can experience his honor, so he lifts us up in the right time. We experience his strength as we depend on him to endure. But we'll also experience his justice. So read with me verses 7 and 8. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek, and you break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord, and your blessing be on your people. You know, probably, uh, if, you, if you don't mind me saying, I kind of like UFC. Okay. I kind of like, like it's, it's very interesting to me. Um, I know somebody else who watches it like all the time, and it's not me, right? I, I just really like UFC stuff. I think it's really interesting, and I like the whole like, mixed martial arts thing. One hit that's like a killer hit, obviously, is if you hit somebody right here. You strike somebody. If you see somebody strike, sometimes it happens so quickly you can't even see it. If someone is so skilled at it, they strike you here, right here in your, in your jaw, and your head moves like this, it's an instant knockout. It's just the way we're designed. You know, so people are trying to, do, they're doing their best to guard themselves from being hit here, and, and someone's doing their best to hit them there to kind of end it, right? And this is, this, is what, this is what David is describing, a hand-to-hand combat where there's a knockout punch, right? You will strike all my enemies on the cheek. That cheek there could also be translated jaw as well. And you break the teeth of the wicked. Now here's a very interesting poetic, um, poetic tool that's being used here in the poems because breaking the teeth of the wicked is usually something that's described to animals. It's usually described to animals in the Psalms. And so what David is trying to say is that these people are coming at me like wild animals and breaking the teeth is a demonstration of them becoming harmless. He's not saying that they go away. He's not saying that those who are attacking me all of a sudden disappear. This is not like Thanos snapping and everybody turns to dust. Right? That's not what's happening here. They're still there, but all of a sudden their attacks become harmless. They don't have the same sting they used to have. This is a demonstration of what it is to be an in Christ. This is a demonstration of what it is to be somebody who puts their confidence in God rather than their confidence in themselves to save themselves. No, he doesn't take it away, but all of a sudden they become harmless. You know, maybe the rescue is not the freedom from the attack, but it's actually just the attitude about how the attack has changed, right? Maybe it's just an attitude about how this attack is coming at you that is the thing that takes the sting away. He has all these people coming at him. He has hordes. He has an army coming after him. We're talking about David still. And he, and, and he says, no, I have, I have full, complete confidence that God will make their attacks against me harmless. And this is a great example of what it is for us to forgive if people are coming after us, if people have harmed us in the past. You know, when you learn to forgive and release the right to retribution against others and trust God to return what was taken, what happens is that you're beginning to change your thinking about what harm was either done to you 
or is being done to you. It may not take away the attack, but when you release the responsibility to avenge to God, that is when we can start to live confidently, thinking clearly about the situation, that God's got our back, that he is the one who promises to avenge, that he is the one who promises not only to avenge, but he promises to redeem. Isaiah calls him the great redeemer. Why is he called the great redeemer? Because he redeems things. Because that's what he does. When someone harms us, what happens? You're like, oh, so-and-so took away my lucky charms. They <laughs> took my lucky charms away because they want me to be healthy. Well, I'm mad. You can get upset about something. Someone did something to you. I'm playing around with that, but there's some other things that are coming to your mind right now of people who harmed you in the past. And you say, well, this was taken from me. That was taken from me. Well, what was taken from you? Well, this, 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 this thing, this, uh, this, this car or, or this sense of security or, or a sense of feeling loved or a sense of belonging or someone took from you uh, a sense of self-worth by what they did or what they said against you, or by exactly what happened. It wasn't just that something was lost or physically lost or taken, but something was communicated to you about who you were and was taken from you. And that needs to get replaced, right? Because until it gets replaced, you're always angry, right? Because you can still have that individual say, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry that happened. And you'd be like, okay, that's great, thanks. But what happened? Well, they just said they're sorry. The hurt that happened to you is still there. You might have lost something over here physically or experienced something physically or emotionally over here in that part. And someone might say sorry for it at this place, but you're still here with the hurt. That means that something needs to happen with the hurt. That means that somebody needs to replace what was taken. And God promises to do that. God desires to do that in our lives. He wants to replace what was taken. He has a provision to do that. And you know what? We can trust him to do that too. We can trust him to do that primarily for this reason. Because God already gave you something for nothing. You were already born into this world with a spirit that was not connected to God. You, you were disqualified from being with God forever when you were born. You had nothing going for you. Instead, God gave you something for nothing, that when you were still an enemy of God, Jesus died for you. That when you were separated from God, there was nothing that could be done. When you were the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I, God, being the Montreal Canadiens, just using these, these, these examples, but I want you to get this idea that this is a complete enemy territory here. That Jesus crossed that barrier and he said, even for an enemy, I will die. Can you imagine how valuable you are that even for an enemy, God would die? When he did that, he gave you something in replacement. That's what we were talking about before. He gave you his spirit that now made you qualified to be with him forever. And he gave you a new resurrected spirit and they're both joined together and Obviously, we have the joy of heaven one day. But right, right now, in the now, you were in union with God. He gave you something for nothing. 
So why are we afraid to trust God to give us something for something? You experience loss over here, a loss of a sense of security, a loss of a sense of love, a loss of a sense of care over here, and you're like, I lost it, it's gone, I'm upset about it, and I have to get it back on my own. Or we can come over here where God is, be reminded of the fact that those losses and those hurts he knows, and he wants to pay back. He wants to restore love, care, a sense of security, sense of self-worth to you from one of those things that were hap- happened to you in your past. But the truth is that we have to trust him to do that. We have to trust him to be the one to restore. We have to trust him to be the one who redeems. And that's what David's saying right here in this moment. He knows from his experience that salvation belongs to God and that his blessings will be on his people and he will bless them. That wherever they are lacking, he will restore and whatever has been taken from them, he will restore and redeem it in their lives. So we can trust these things. We can trust that God is our shield. We can trust that he is our support. But we can also trust that he is our salvation. He can save. We're conscious of these things. Over time, it takes a bite away. Every time there's a new attack, uh, a new scenario where you have to trust and learn to forgive, the more we put that into practice, the more we exercise that trust, it becomes easier to endure the next one and the next one and the next one. Why? Because we have a life of experiencing the next one and the next one and the next one. But he is the one who is faithful, again, to be those three things. Um, Let me say this in closing really quickly. Went a little bit over time there. Jesus himself was encircled. He endured hardship for us. He experienced complete hopelessness. And his death and resurrection was for you as an enemy of God. So he understands what it's like to suffer. He understands what it's like to be where you're at in this moment and how valuable you are was proven by that act. So we could trust that in our lives are hidden in him and that even though we're in that car, we're in that SUV, spinning around, snow's flying everywhere, posts are coming up, guardrails are slapping against the vehicle, You might be right now hanging over the side of the precipice. You can look around, you're like, what's going on here? But you trust that he's your shield. He's the one that's going to protect you. He's going to be the one to to bring you home safely. You can just rest in him in the moment uh, and and trust that he's the one who's competent in doing that. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, thank you so much for this morning and uh, again for everybody who was a part of making this happen today. Pray now your blessing on us as we go. Pray for safe driving after everything we've talked about. Um, but I also pray too that you would uh, Im- impose upon our hearts the truth of the things that we've heard today. Praise right now in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the New Life Fellowship podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more great content, please be sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca, and sign up for our mailing list. Subscribers will receive our The Life in the Apartment ebook that is sure to encourage and bless. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch the latest services and additional video content. New Life Fellowship is a registered charity that is supported by the giving of partners and friends. All donations will be received. If you would like to donate, donate at newlifekw.ca. Your giving is highly valued and appreciated. 
You are loved. Take care.